Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff, and I'm your host. And today in the studio, I have with me one of our graduates, Ross Fearing. He's up from San Antonio, where he is a teaching elder in the PCA and currently working with Ministry to the Military and Internationals. Ross, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Zach. So my first question for you, brother, is what does your ministry look like down in San Antonio? What bases are you, are, do you currently have access to where you're serving military families, and what are you doing for them? Okay, well, San Antonio is a great place to live. It's actually known as Military City USA because we have such a heavy military population. There's three installations in San Antonio. We have Randolph Air Force Base, which is on the northeast side of the t- city, Fort Sam Houston, which is really almost in central San Antonio, and then Lackland Air Force Base, which is out on the west side of San Antonio. Uh, I'm also a reserve army chaplain, and that gives me an ID card so I can get onto any installation I want fairly easily. What our ministry looks like, uh, we really divide it into three different areas, all focused on the military. Kind of first in our foundation is what we call hospitality. Frequently, people hear hospitality and think that just means having people over to your house and to have a meal. We certainly do a lot of that, but we do a lot of other things. You know, my wife is frequently inviting uh, other military mothers uh, out to a park to go get get kids out to play. We do a lot of trying to connect um, service members we know with members of our church who uh, who can help them in some way. Um, if they need friendship or you got a mom needs some mentorship, those kinds of things. Um, and that hospitality forms the foundation of what we do because those hospitality relationships grow into evangelism and discipleship opportunities. We build trust using that hospitality. The second thing we do is we work actively on the installations um, in a couple of ways. One is I'll do informal things. We'll both do informal things on the installations. I'll meet with guys for lunch, do some Bible studies, prayer groups, that kind of thing. But I also partner with uh, the chaplain, chaplains and chapels on those installations to help uh, – really fill some holes that they have in their ministry. Um, the military tends to look at ministry in terms of service members are primary. Spouses are pretty high up there. But it, when you get down to families, there's less resources, and particularly there's less training. Um, and so I'm able to come onto those installations and, and work with the youth um, as an ordained elder who's been trained very well. Um, and I'm able to bring a lot of uh, Bible teaching um, and a really consistent reform teaching to these kids. So we do uh, youth programs on Fort Sam Houston and Randolph Air Force Base. Uh, when the semester is running, uh, I can have as many as four meetings a week. So a high school group at Randolph, a middle school group at Randolph, a high school group at Fort Sam, and a middle school group at Fort Sam. And so we really enjoy doing that. Then our last part is that we work within our local church. Um, we don't want to see our work disconnected from the work of the local church. We want to see those two as connected. We want to see our work serve and build up our local church. So we work pretty closely with a congregation of the PCA called Christ Church, which is um, um, just five minutes outside of Randolph Air Force Base. Um, my wife and I are um, careful to be doing a lot of volunteering, just give basic service there. So I help set up. We're meeting in a movie theater these days. So there's a lot of setup that has to be done. My wife helps that with nursery. I help lead a community group, those kinds of things. But then we're also thinking we're trying to invite people into our church that we meet get them connected with people who are in the church. We try to be looking for military families who are coming through and connect with them and help them feel at home in our church, which is a real important part of getting people to stay with you as opposed to going to the next church down the street. Um, and then 
Um, finally, we want to see our ministries not, um, we don't want to stop at the church walls. There's kind of two mistakes you can make in this kind of ministry. One is you can see your ministry as only being to people who are in the church, or you can see your ministry as only being to, be, being to people who are outside of the church. And we want to do both. So we have discipleship relationships with many people within the church, um, both myself and especially my wife, um, interacting with uh, other wives and moms who are coming through, um, just as an encouragement and to help build them up. Very good. Now, I I understand that ministry to servicemen and service women and their families, one of the great difficulties about it is the same thing with college ministry, is that you don't have them for very long. They're getting moved around. They're going to transition onto base, and, and then within three years, maybe even sometimes within nine months, they're gone. They're halfway across the world or in another part of the country. Now, your work is is unique, though. I don't know too many guys that specifically work with um, with the children in military families. For for these for these young folks, what what are some of the unique challenges that they face in the midst of these frequent transitions? Probably the biggest thing I see is that, um, well, the one I see a lot because I'm doing Christian education, is that their education has been inconsistent. Um, so I get a lot of kids who just have a lot of holes in their understanding of the Bible, um, kind of what Christianity is. I, I try to make sure many of my lessons are, are very connected with the gospel. Um, as we bring in the Bible, make sure to tell them this is what we see in Jesus in these, because they don't, they've not been exposed to a lot of those ideas, or it's not been probably more likely it's not been done consistently enough and by the same people enough that it's really sunk in. So we do a lot of that. Um, it's very interesting in the military environment as well, working with kids. It's, it's much more ecumenical than what you're used to in a civilian setting. Um, you work very closely with people from kind of all sorts of backgrounds, um, Protestant, Roman Catholic, you see a lot of it. And so um, it's, it, you have to be very, you have to be careful to start teaching them. Here's what scripture teaches Here's your history. Here's kind of why some of these issues exist. I remember one time, it was, it was really fun. I'm working with the Protestant group, and we were working through, I think, Romans, and, and baptism comes up. And so I get five of the kids, you know, hey, let's talk about baptism. And you know, they want to take the whole, the whole lesson off that week. I'm like, okay, I'll make you a deal. Let me finish my lesson this week. We'll talk about baptism next week. And so in that environment, you know, they've not necessarily been exposed to the history or the questions why. And so we came together, and we sit down, and we do, you know, here's what Rome teaches, here's what the Lutherans teach, here's what Presbyterians teach, here's what Baptists teach, here's kind of the biblical justifications, just to give them that background that they've not been exposed to. Um, some other issues you see, um, you know, you're dealing with people who are used to having, you know, at least one family member who is gone for extended periods of time. Um, you're dealing with the reality that Frequently, someone in their family is dealing with some f- sort of uh, a trauma from their experiences overseas. And that affects family life in some dramatic ways. Um, and so a lot of it's you just need to be open and listening, really pursue forming a relationship with these kids, getting to the point where they can trust you enough so they can start talking about what issues they've got, where they're hurting, and you can start, you know, hey, let me pray for you. Here's, here's some ideas about what Scripture talks about. Kind of another challenge you run into is it's, it's fairly difficult to connect with their parents. Um, the life pace in the military is very, very fast. And so uh, frequently dad is, you know, whoever, either mom or dad, whoever's in the military is, is very busy. Particularly in Randolph, it's a very um, 
senior installation. Most people there are either senior non-commissioned officers or senior officers. So their responsibilities are very large. They were very long days. They travel a lot. Um, and so it's hard to connect with, with parents. And it's kind of hard for kids to connect with parents. So we're kind of dealing with all those issues at once and trying to do our small little part to help them deal with that. Uh, my wife and I try to be kind of a little piece of adult involvement. So in the time that you've been there working with the youth um, at Randolph, at, at Sam Houston, what, what biblical narratives seem to resonate with, with these folks? Are there, any, are there any common biblical narratives that they gravitate to, either you know, Joseph and the relationship with his father, or Absalom with his father, or, or you know, something out of the New Testament, or even, even theological themes like adoption and, and the fatherhood of God and, and you know, the sonship of Christ and, and, and these kinds of things? Are there, have you seen anything that really resonates across the board with the youth there, or it, are there no common threads with regards to those kinds of issues? Um, I'm not sure if I've seen any any one theme in particular. Part of that may be I've only done this for a couple of years, so I'm still pretty green. But one thing I have started to learn is that when you present Scripture to these children as true and as relevant to them, they light up. They're interested. I mean, we start getting all kinds of questions. Some of them are the question questions you hear pretty frequently, you know, talk to us about hell or, um, you know, was Jesus sinless? Those kinds of questions. Sometimes you get uh, more off-the-wall questions that you didn't expect. Um, but when you present and say, here's Scripture, here's how, you know, yes, it happened 2,000 or 4,000 years ago, but here's how it's relevant to you, you know, just connecting it to their lives and teaching them, taking the time to read from it, uh, I find they, very li- they, they really light up and engage with it. One theme I like to bring out, and I can't, I have not, can't tell if it's really connected with my kids yet, but I like to talk a lot about the work of the Holy Spirit, how he indwells us, um, how he is God's promise that we are going to have all the benefits of salvation, how it's really God dwelling with us, and how God is actually transforming us through the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, when we're aware of it, and even when we're not aware of it. I find that's helpful, because a lot of kids, uh, I think it answers some of the security questions they've got, and um, how do I know that I'm progressing in the faith? How do I know I'm a Christian? Um, how can it be settled in what God is doing with me? Shifting gears a little bit, how many preaching opportunities do you get on base at Christ Church? Um, you know, even is it primarily teaching the youth on a weekly basis, or do you get other opportunities to deliver the word from the pulpit to their families? So I'm uh, between my the different things I do. I I, I think it averages out to be about twice a month. Um, once a month is with my reserve duties. I uh, I'm assigned to a unit way down in the va- way down in uh, South Texas on the border. We call it the Valley, Harlingen, Texas. Um, so I'll preach once a month there, um, and then I'm on the rotation at a chapel at Fort Sam Houston. And that's partially um, as a, as a service to, to people who are there, and partially as a service to the chaplains who are there. Kind of give them uh, one more person to help carry the load because they are mostly working in senior commands and very, very busy with some of their other responsibilities. Um, I do some pulpit supply throughout the area, not normally, not, not at Christ Church, but some other, other churches. And so I feel like I get a fair, fair number of preaching opportunities, especially considering uh, where I'm at and who I'm connected to. So I'm, I'm quite pleased with that. One thing that, that strikes me in this, as we talk about transitions in the military, 
um, and some of the emphases here at Greenville Seminary and in the churches in our neighborhood is that, you know, we really like to see kids memorizing the catechism and, and doing uh, catechids at a young age and then, uh, you know, even the shorter catechism through the middle school and high school years. Do you get to do much of that at all with the kids uh, that, that are living on the base and moving around the country where, you know, they might get a question memorized or two questions memorized and then boom, they're, they're out of here. They're, they're somewhere else. I've done some of that. Um, I guess a couple of years, well, not a couple of years, three semesters ago, four semesters ago, somewhere in there. Um, I was teaching some elementary and elementary kids and uh, we actually cracked open the, uh, the children's catechism and just really started from question one and just see how far we could get. And I was surprised. I, I thought the kids would either be resistant to memor- memorizing or kind of struggle with it. And I found they picked it up real quick, and it really led to um, good discussions. You know, kids asking you, well, what do I have to do to be saved? Because we're going through these questions talking about how you need to be saved. Um, so that was really a blessing. I, I also use the, particularly the shorter catechism a lot when I'm working with my, especially with the high schoolers. Some with the middle schoolers, but especially with the high schoolers, I use that as a resource frequently because it it tends to answer the questions they have. Um, you know, justification might be a, a big word, but it's an important concept, and there's just few definitions that are better than what you've got right there in the catechism. Or when I get questions about what is God's law, I say, well, <laughs> I got a little booklet here that's got a great short exposition of what it means, you know, what God's law means what God requires of us. And it doesn't stop there, but it goes on to talk about how we relate to God's law. You know, it tells us that catechism is very clear. The law tells us that we are sinners and then turns around and says, you know, what do you have to do to be saved? So I like that. I think it's very useful. Um, Probably like to do more memorization in the future, but uh, we've had some success with it. Great. And how, how long do you usually have high school and middle school youth for, I, I have friends that grew up in the military and I ask them where they're from and they say, well, that's a complicated question because I moved around a lot. Is, is that what you see um, in the particular branch of service in the Air Force down there at Randolph as well? The military move, it's supposed to be like every three years, but it, it varies a lot. So I've watched people come in and be gone in 12 months. And I've watched people who've come in and they've gotten consecutive assignments in San Antonio. And so they could be there for years and years and years. We also do quite a bit of work with uh, the kids of retirees. So they're kind of there for the long, long term. Um, we've got some, we've got a lot of people in the community, so it varies. But I think on average, you're going to see people moving every two to three years. And at Christ Church, how, how much of the congregation is made up of military families and then non-military families? You know, I don't have the numbers sitting in front of me, um, but a significant portion, a very large portion of our congregation is military families. We're actually getting ready to lose um, a couple of deacons, or you know, at least one deacon, another very involved family, several very involved families this summer. It's really one of the challenges of being a congregation in a military city is that your military people tend to want to be involved in church and serve and work. And so they come and they fill a hole, and then they leave. And so you're then looking to find somebody else who's got to fill that hole. Yeah, that's a difficulty. We actually addressed that earlier this summer in another graduate spotlight with Nick Batzig, because he's in a military town as well down in, down in Georgia. So shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk about your experience here at Greenville, how that set you up for what you're doing now. And um, you know, I guess we'll start with the seminary itself. What 
what resources, what kind of equipment here at the seminary did you pick up that you find yourself really depending on and going back to again and again in your ministry today down in San Antonio? I think really it, it's two things primarily. First is just the amount of time and level of importance we put into Scripture and understanding it and being familiar enough with it that you can navigate it easily. Um, when I'm kind of in full stream, so like the, this last spring semester, you know, I was producing three youth lessons, perhaps a sermon, um, a couple, an adult lesson every week. And so I don't have time to um, have to kind of be poking around trying to figure out what I'm doing. I have to be very familiar with Scripture. I need to see how it connects together. Um, I'm not a huge fan of most of the youth material that's out there, um, either because it's not developed enough, or frequently I'm just like, I know my kids. I know what they need. At least I think I know what they need. And um, so I tend to prefer to just walk them through Scripture and let's, you know, go through the parables of Jesus, for example. But coming from Greenville, I spent so much time in the Word, so much time learning how to understand Scripture. And then um, I even think of my preaching classes where we talked a lot about how to apply Scripture. Even when I'm not preaching, that is very valuable in teaching youth lessons and even you know doing counseling with adults. I'm able to, I'm able to think, okay, I can think of Scripture texts that actually apply to what you're going through. And I know how to apply that. Probably the second thing that I found very useful really is the dependence upon the confessions. Um, I really think in Christendom we're watching a lot of Christians re, you know, reinventing the wheel when we've got these confessions that are very well thought out, that have stood the test of time, um, and a lot of people have not been exposed to them, and so they just don't know that they're out there. And so I really appreciate that we spend a lot of time understanding the confessions, working through them, even that we're taught to almost be reflexively leaning back upon them because it's done so much work for us and they've gone to all that effort to get the language right so that I can focus more on, you know, this is established. We know this is well thought out. I just have to help you understand what the words mean as opposed to I have to figure out for myself what, for example, justification is or adoption or the Trinity. They've done a lot of the work for me. And so that I can then focus on how do I help the kids understand this truth. I love that. I mean, when you were describing to me earlier how you use the confessions, how you use the catechism with the youth, almost like a frequently asked question page on a website or something. I know that's a crude example, but that's what came to mind because you said they're asking the questions that are answered in in our creedal statements, in our confessions, in our catechisms. And that's that's really... That, that's a beautiful reality, that the same questions that were asked, what, almost, almost 400 years ago when the Westminster Assembly sat down and put together these documents, are being asked today by middle schoolers and high schoolers. So you know those men centuries ago uh, were on to something in, in codifying these particular answers, and they're useful to us today. Now, one of the great values, and I sing this song all the time, about Greenville, South Carolina— are the, the amazing churches that are around here. So what experiences and training did you get at, at your church that you attended while you were here in Greenville that, that have, you know, what experiences did you, are you taking from that into your work now down uh, with the military families? So my, myself and my wife, we attended uh, Woodruff Road Presbyterian Church, and uh, I got to intern there 
Um, I guess formally for a couple of years and was volunteering there informally prior to that. Honestly, one of the best things they had me do there is, I think within a year of me coming there, they had me teaching the older elementary class. I couldn't remember what ages that is, but it's, it's you know, right before you get to middle school. And I taught that class essentially for two, two and a half years. And I can't think of a place I learned more about how to teach Bible, how to understand Bible, because the kids were old enough that they were ready to start asking harder questions. But they were young enough that they give you another opportunity when you messed up the lesson the first time. You know, it was a good chance to really work off what works, what doesn't. And then I find myself today doing a lot of what I did, did with them. Um, I really appreciated Woodruff Road, just getting a lot of opportunity to interact with the pastors there. So Carl Robbins and uh, Dan Dodds and um, Scotty Anderson. Um, I got to spend a lot of time in the office with them and hearing them talk about different issues and it, it's strange. You wouldn't think of that as particularly educational, but for me, it, a lot of it was very forming. How do I think about issues? How do I interact with people? And then at Woodruff Road, um, I was allowed to uh, lead worship routinely. It was really good because I was a, they'll tell you over there, I was a very quiet, um, you know, shy, not very, not very loud and leading in the pulpit. And I needed a lot of development to get to the point where I could be comfortable um, just being in front of people and communicating. Uh, and those were all very valuable lessons to learn. Um, I learned a lot about how to think about worship and how to uh, really lead a congregation in worship, uh, helping them to understand what we're doing. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of preaching there, but I, it, it really worked out well because at the same time I was a uh, chaplain candidate in the Army, and I was doing quite a bit of preaching very regularly there and getting a wide range of experiences through that. So those two experiences together uh, really... They really helped me put legs on the education I was getting at the seminary. What kind of ongoing training and educational opportunities are you taking now in order to continue growing as a minister uh, to military families and, and just as a minister of the Word and prayer in general? I remember Dr. Shaw particularly hammering on um, when I was at seminary. You've got to translate on a daily basis. And uh, so I got, I got out and I started just setting aside some time to translate. Um, I've really just moved my devotions to just translating through Greek and Hebrew, which for me is useful. I was one of those crazy homeschool kids who could read through, you know, a hundred page book in half an hour. Problem is that I don't pay attention to the details very well. So that's forced me to slow down and keep my language skills skills up. Um, I'm actually struggling a little bit to figure out how do I balance in the right amount of, of developmental reading, trying to keep up with my other studies. Um, but I've been blessed uh, recently. I have Flavel sitting on my in my, on my shelf, and I've cracked him open, and he's been immensely helpful. Um, I've I've not read a Puritan that was more valuable to to than, than Flavel. He's also more re- more readable than he is. You know that combination of value and able to understand. Um, I'm actually headed up to my the PCA's uh, really Presbyterian Reformed Commission on Chaplains and Military Personnel. Their chaplain training happens prior to. Uh, General Assembly, and I'm currently headed up there. I'm sure when this broadcast, I've already been there. That's a really valuable professional development time. Um, Doug Lee and, and the staff up there do a very good job of putting together sessions that are very relevant to chaplains and giving us time to interact and pray for each other and really build each other up as we deal with issues that are particular to military ministry. Um, so I really appreciate that. 
Um, on top of that, I've just started my captain's career course in the army, um, which is uh, it's an important part of being an officer in the reserves and know, understanding how does this world work, how do I am how am I an effective chaplain, how do I interact with my staff, how do I interact with soldiers. So those are some things I'm pursuing right now. Um, I've thought about attending conferences, haven't made it out. Uh, I was really excited to see your. Uh, uh, the recent conference on the Reformation that y'all did really wanted to get out there, and it just wasn't going to happen this year. It was a little bit far of a trip, and the schedule didn't, didn't work out. But I'm looking forward to uh, uh, catching some of those lectures at some point. Yeah, it was a great conference. I think you'll enjoy them. And then uh, if you're able to join us next spring, and I guess this is a little uh, little advertisement for the podcast too here, we're going to do um, a, a conference on the theme of the person and work of Christ the Lord of glory. And we have this, I mean, just amazing roster of professors and pastors who are coming to speak. We got from the seminary, Dr. Piper, Dr. Morales, Dr. McGraw, and then uh, from our graduates, Ryan Speck is going to speak. And then from other schools, we have Michael Barrett and uh, G.K. Beale, Johnny Gibson, um, Joel Beakey. Suffice it to say, it's going to be a phenomenal conference on on Christology, and I think we're going to try to produce a book out of it as well, which we do uh, every so often with our conferences. But enough of, about that. Um, what what kinds of you know what kinds of things do does your family do? Maybe well, you already mentioned hospitality, and I'm sure that that that's a real blessing to your family as you form relationships with other families in the area. But, you know, what other kinds of connections do you make down in San Antonio? Do you have strong relationships with families that you know are going to be there for the long haul? So it's not always, you know, one family in, another family out all the time. Um, you know, what kinds of what kinds of things do you do to sustain stability at home in terms of your social life? Um, it's, re- it's really been one of the, the challenges we've had. Um, partially with the nature of the ministry, we're, uh, we are... Uh, not as connected to a local church as a pastor would be. That's a weakness we have that we have to mitigate. Um, And a lot of our friends are military. Um, One thing that helps with that is that the military community is used to that life. And so one of the blessings of working with military people is they tend to connect very quickly. They're They're more open than we are used to in kind of our our culture at large. And they really learned it by necessity, but it does make it easier to connect and start building, building each other up. Um, we've got some very, very good friends we've got, particularly in the Randolph community, um, some of the uh, families who have retired there um, that we've gotten to know very well, and they've been extremely supportive. Um, but it's been a challenge. Um, we, you know, we recently th- went through an, uh, an adoption process, and it's hard to find, you know, when you've got instability inside your house and you've got instability outside your house, that's been a challenge. And, um, you know, the church has been very helpful with that. Um, you know, we've really been blessed by a number of people who just stepped up and said, you know, here's what you need, and we're going to help provide it. You know, we're going to send some meals over. We're going to be available to babysit, you know, when you need it. We're going to just be a resource to talk to and to encourage you as we've been, been through kind of our own our own journey. Oh, that at Greenville Seminary, we love chaplains. We love um, training men to be chaplains. We just uh, brought on to the board one of our graduates who's serving as a chaplain, he's ordained in the OPC, um, Lieutenant Cornelius Johnson. He's, uh, I think, a chaplain in the U.S. Navy, and we're happy to have him on the board now. 
And we have at least one student currently studying with us in residence who is um, who is hoping to serve as a chaplain, and he's in Army Reserve as well. So that's something that, that we really prioritize, and we encourage our men to, to pursue. We welcome men who, who are already in those positions, have opportunities to serve military families, to study with us, and to get further equipment. And I really appreciate the balanced um, account that you gave of your time here, that you were equipped in the classroom and then trained in the church to serve as a chaplain. And that's, that's a beautiful picture of, of the experience of so many of our graduates and current students. I really appreciate you coming into the studio, spending some time with me, brother. I'm looking forward to next week seeing you around GA. And for our listeners, that would, that's a retrospective comment because you, by the time you hear this, it will have already happened. But um, thank you again for coming into the studio, and hopefully you have more opportunities to interact in the months and years ahead. Well, thank you for having me.